Welcome to Backyards and Bevies. Grab your favorite bevy, pull up a chair, and enjoy the ride. Hey, B&B fam. This podcast is sponsored to you by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is there something getting in the way of your happiness? I know when I traveled the world, I had many days where BetterHelp's worldwide service of licensed professional therapists could have helped me speak to someone no matter where I was in the world about whatever was happening in my life and with zero judgment. With their ability to match me with a therapist that best fits me, I know my mental health would have been way better back then. Believe me, I needed it. But I'm here to share a way for you to take back control of your mental health by telling you about BetterHelp's awesome services they have for you to talk with a pro about your life through their app or just online. Whether it is a video session or some simple messaging, their team is here to help. I went to check out the app for myself just to see how easy it was to use. And after a series of questions, I was told I would be able to start matching with a therapist in under 48 hours. And what is super rad is that it's affordable and they even offer financial aid too. So come join the 2 million users that have already been helped and gain back control of your mental health by visiting betterhelp.com slash backyards for 10% off your first month. Remember, BetterHelp is therapy done securely online. Don't forget to use the special code backyards and let BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, help you to start living a happier life today. (laughs) And go. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Backyards and Bevies with BK. That's me. And I'm PK. Woo. Uh, It's so good to be back. It's a nice, lovely summer morning here. It's beautiful out in the Ville. Mm hmm. Are we? We're in the. We're in the mad, right? The mad. The mad. The the mads. (laughs) (laughs) Um. No, welcome. This is uh, part four of BK's journey mm-hmm. into the music industry. Into the uh, to a, a high place in the music industry. I wouldn't oh, say it's still just got a, plenty of room to grow. No, we all do, though. Mm-hmm. I think we all could say that there's there's potential growth everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even if you're at the very, very top, you can still try to go a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's always just higher and necessarily a monetary value or necessarily just a job value. But, you know, you could better your life by starting to more. help out or yeah. starting to do different things. So I think uh, but I'm, I'm excited to to wrap this today. Yeah. Um, it's been an awesome journey listening to your story from small town girl in North South Carolina mm-hmm. all the way through Arizona, North Carolina. South Carolina, Raise up, Massachusetts. Take your shirt off, spin it around your head. Like a helicopter? You're trying to quote Petey Pablo? That was the man. It was it was close. I got to mix him <laughs> one song. He's awesome. When, when I worked with JT. <laughs> <laughs> he was all in the, North Carolina, right? He, he, yeah. In North Carolina. He was all the coolness that you thought he would be. It does not surprise me. I'm pretty sure the outfit he had on was from the the early nineties when that or 90s when that song came out because it was uh leather everywhere with oh, those wow. like, patches remember those like yeah okay yeah it was wild i remember he always had like the bandana and stuff and still had it yeah. i think it was the same bandana from love that, it from that uh good for him no it was amazing um north carolina to south carolina no to massachusetts no to... I, no i was in south carolina 
I was born in North Carolina. No, I know that. And then you went to Arizona, and then you came back. Mm, To South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then you went north. To Massachusetts. Then back to South Carolina. Well, New York. Well, yeah. New York. South Carolina. Tennessee. I've been in Tennessee now for uh, almost... A decade? More than a decade. More than a decade. Yeah. Um, Actually, like right around 11 years. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. No, a lot It'll be like that. 11 years next week. Really? Wow. Yeah. I moved here in 2011. Holy shnikes. Right? That's amazing. I know. Crazy. So, and when we when we stopped off last episode, you were leaving, I was leaving. your first management company, right? Yes. Yeah. I was leaving TKO. I had interviewed for another management company called Roar uh-huh. uh, that worked with Zach Brown Band at the time. And that process... Is that spelled like R- R-O-A-R? Okay. Yeah. Um, and that process, I mean, it took, I don't know, like a month or six weeks or something for me to hear back from them. I like checked in a couple times and they were going through a big growth period mm-hmm. and, you know, just... Even though they needed to fill the position, they had so much else going on that it wasn't like urgent, urgent. So it took a long time to hear back from them. And so we left the last episode with um, a buddy of mine. His dad was a big booking agent here in town at the time and was leaving WME to go over to APA um, to help head up that office and grow the um the nashville office of apa and for a lot of people that don't know what all these initials stand for if you've ever seen the movie austin powers <laughs> there are a lot three, of three right there are a lot of initials uh well no there's there's more than three well no no but remember in the movie austin powers they're all like slapped against the wall when dr evil uh, hit his headquarters in the Hollywood sign, oh. remember? <laughs> yeah. It was like uh, WME, CAA, yeah. all the agencies. And yeah. that's what they are. They're agencies, correct? Right, so, yeah. So they're, they're agencies, and basically what a booking agency does is they are, what they're most known for, at least in the music industry, is they're in charge of representing an artist and getting them booked on shows. So they basically are the go-between. They're sort of like the the salesperson on behalf of the artist representing mm-hmm. them to the owners of anything from a very small like club size venue mm-hmm. all the way up to stadiums mm-hmm. um, to work with the, the owners of those venues, which are called the buyers, as well as the promoters who represent a lot of venues and stuff to help plan a tour. Or, or different things like that. They also do, I mean, they do more than that. You know, you've got <laughs> booking agents at these agencies who handle um, representing artists in deals for film and TV and, yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, it it kind of runs the gamut. But what they're most known for, at least in the situation we're talking about, is for booking shows. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to be a booking agent, but mm-hmm. like I had said last episode... I was ready to take the next step and and go somewhere new and learn some more. Yeah. So even though I never wanted to be a booking agent, which I made very clear to um, the guy I interviewed with at APA that, you know, like I really I want to end up back in management someday. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm looking to grow and would like to learn more about the booking side mm. and, and stuff like that. And so it was crazy how it worked out. So he offered me the job to be his assistant at APA and I accepted it because, you know, I had followed up a couple times with Roar. You know, they kept letting me know, you know, they would at least respond like, hey, sorry, we don't have an answer yet. Like, we would really love to hire you. We just can't commit like yeah. right at this time. So I accept the job. I go back to work at TKO that day after doing that interview and accepting the position. And I get a call literally like an hour after I accepted the job at APA <laughs> offering me the job at Roar. Oh and God. I was pretty devastated because it was a job at a management company, yeah. <laughs> which is what I wanted to do. And I was talking to one of the heads of that management company on the phone when they offered me the job. And I was like... I can't believe this, but I literally just accepted a position mm -hmm. at APA to go be an assistant over there. And he was like, well, have you like signed any paperwork? Like, you know, kind of wondering, can I get out of it? Yeah. And even though I could have, it just didn't. I thought about it for a minute and I was like, it just doesn't feel right to like go back on my word that I just gave. Which someone. is everything. Yeah. And, you know. I'm sure that he would have found an, another assistant, no problem, and it would have been fine. But I just, I decided to stick to my word and go to APA mm -hmm. and figure it out. And I figured, you know what, if it's meant to be for me to end up at Roar or another management company, that opportunity is going to come along when it's supposed mm -hmm. to happen. Apparently, I am supposed to go to APA because that's what I committed to. Well, and you said this in the last episode when you were talking about the Citadel, you know, one of the core values that you had, which, you know, I think, I'm not saying a lot of people don't have it, but a lot of people could have more of it is integrity. And, mm. and part of that is, sure, did you want to go somewhere else? But did you already commit to it? Yeah. And that's, I think that that's good on you. I mean, that's hard. Well, I mean, and you know, at that point in my career, like being an assistant, who knows if it really would have damaged my reputation or not. But that was also a risk that I didn't want to take because wanting to be a manager, I needed to be known as being trustworthy mm -hmm. and a person of my word who stuck to what I said and represented myself in a manner that would make artists comfortable with being represented by me. Good on you. So I started APA and um, it was amazing. I can't even <laughs> like I never wanted to be a booking agent. I still don't want to be a booking agent. But working at that company, I really kind of like found my people. Mm. Um, just a great group of humans who were kind and good to each other and helpful. Mm. Some of the people that I had become friends with through solid actually worked there. So they were really great about helping teach me the ways of all of the things. And there was a ton of stuff for me to learn. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I said it in one of the earlier episodes, there's so much about the music industry that people don't know. And that like, I didn't know. And there's so much that I still don't know. Yeah. But the booking world is so detailed and so intricate. I mean, you would think like, okay, so the booking agent talks to, let's say, uh, the owner of a club and the club owner is like, hi, I want to book Maggie Rose or whoever. Mm -hmm. And the agent's like, okay, well, this is what it costs to book Maggie Rose. 
send me the paperwork, we'll sign it, doot, 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 done. No. That is not anywhere close to that. There are so many different kinds of deals that you can have, like door deals, which are where you're basically getting paid a portion of the sale of tickets at the door. Mm -hmm. So, like, you're not doing any advanced sales, really. You may do some advanced sales. It's really all based on who's going to show up the night of the show. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a lot of those with artists that are, like, just starting out because they don't have any ticket sales history for a buyer to basically gamble on. Because that's what these buyers are doing. They're gambling on whether or not an artist is going to be able to sell enough tickets to be worth the amount of money that they are guaranteeing the artist up front mm-hmm. that you will get paid this amount whether you sell one ticket mm-hmm. or a hundred thousand tickets so it's a pretty stressful situation yeah. on on all ends throughout so i mean you've got deals like that you've got versus deals which are like mm-hmm. i mean it's i'm not even gonna go into it because there's so much but and, and that's why I promote like certain promoters are known for putting on certain shows because they're good at certain things you know it's like you don't have a promoter that like cross-pollinates through different genres either right well and the promoter if you're working with like if so like if you're working with a promoter which for a promoter for example would be like live nation Mm -hmm. or aeg or messina touring group or something like that they basically end up taking on the brunt of the gamble yeah instead of the actual venue Mm -hmm. and what they do is they have their own people in their team who are experts at marketing a show and figuring out ticket prices Mm -hmm. and really know the nitty-gritty of what it takes to put on a successful show that's going to sell a lot of tickets that's going to make everybody (laughs) money but also make the fans happy and feel like they got their money's worth of going there. Wait, you're saying that a, an artist just doesn't wake up in the morning and say, let's go on tour next week. No. <laughs> it takes <laughs> months and months and months and months of preparation. It could take years on the big stuff because yeah. the big stuff, you're not only gambling with whether or not a team isn't going to be using, not gambling, I should say, but you're not only looking at whether a team's going to be using the arena that day. But then you put yourself into a playoff situation where that arena might get swept up from underneath them. Yeah. And but you have to do these talks years sometimes in advance with mm-hmm. the big stuff because that's how how much time they need to prepare for these. You know, like when I fa- when I heard that for the first time, I was like, oh wow, yeah, that makes sense. But I never thought about it like that. I just really thought that it was like maybe a year. But sometimes these like promoters and booking agents are yeah, talking sometimes it's a couple years in advance yeah. especially if you're doing something that's like a world tour yeah and you have to think of the logistics of getting gear all of and, your gear from yeah. the united states to germany or and wherever <laughs> and you know you've got to have tour buses uh-huh. while you're overseas just uh-huh. like you would need them in North America. Well, so snow days. Imagine like, I mean, I was on a major tour and it snowed and we had to go back to this venue like, what, four different times? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a small venue. It was Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And we would load in, but the city would close down the rail system or something catastrophic would happen. It'd yep. be like, well, now we got to book this. You can't just add it in. Yeah. You know, and people don't see that. They're like, well, why can't they just put it tomorrow? 
Right. And that's, <laughs> you know, you, you bring so up. talk about stressful with like your agents. Yeah. You bring up a good point. You know, I, one of the things that you hear about a lot of times with fans and stuff, which I understand where they're coming from is like, yeah, well, why are tickets to see this artist so expensive? Or why is it taking so long to reschedule a canceled mm-hmm. date or something like that? And it's. It's because of situations like that where the logistics are not just up to the artist or the artist and their management team or their other teams. Mm -hmm. There are so many other things that come into play Mm -hmm. that you, the artist and their team have absolutely no control over and are basically stuck waiting for somebody else Mm -hmm. with a city or a government or whatever to make a decision. And then there's this like trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. And then and, it gets to the promoter and the then yeah. the agent, and then and eventually <laughs> it gets to the manager who talks to the artist, and then it has to go all the way back up that chain. Yeah. And also, when it comes to ticket prices and things like that, what a lot of people don't realize is that the headlining artist, like the the main artist that you are paying to go see, pays for everything that mm-hmm. has to do with that tour. So if you're a lo- if you're wanting to go to a Blake Shelton tour and he has three other artists mm-hmm. that are playing that show with him, he is paying each of those artists out of the money that he makes every show mm-hmm. to play that show. Yeah. He is paying for the production, the sound, the mm-hmm. lights, the staging, all the crew members, the security, Every single piece that goes into putting on a concert for you to go and see the gasoline is paid for (laughs) by the artist. The food. (laughs) So you may think like, oh, well, if they sell X amount of tickets at this ticket price, they're just pocketing all this money. They are making so much less than you actually think that they are making because they have to cover all of those expenses. Yeah. No, for sure. So, okay. So, I know we went on a little little tangent. But but it was a good tangent because I I do think that knowing that little detail about an agent, though, and who they talk to and then it just goes up a chain. You know, it's like we were saying the other day. You're playing a role of watching all these planets revolve around Mm -hmm. an artist. And that's one of these planets as being an agent so it's kind of cool that you got to be an agent so yeah so you know one of there I learned so much while I was there and there were so many different situations that I ended up getting like randomly thrown into that I'd never been in before and it was just like a sink or swim Mm -hmm. moment so the guy I'd been hired to work for he was awesome he ended up retiring fairly early into my job at APA okay so and he represented a lot of clients so you have two different kinds of booking agents like mainly Mm -hmm. you have a territorial agent and their responsibility is not to oversee a particular artist Mm -hmm. they oversee the booking of all venues that are x capacity Mm -hmm. in a certain area of the country oh wow okay so you'll have you know like When I was there, it was a smaller booking agency, not like really small, but you had, let's say the country was divided into five sections, Mm -hmm. like Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, West, like all that kind of stuff. And so you had an agent that represented that territory for club size venues, Mm -hmm. and you had agents that represented that territory for theaters. Sometimes you would have a third tier agent who would represent 
that territory only for arenas Mm -hmm. and stadiums. So it just kind of depended. Yeah. So you have the territorial agents and their job is to go get offers from the venues that they work with for artists that would play those size venues. And they bring those offers to what's called the responsible agent. And the responsible agent is the agent who is basically in charge of making sure that the artists that they are responsible for, that they represent, Mm -hmm. that the right offers are coming in for them with the right amount of money and any other like production requirements and things like that. And then the responsible agent is who takes the offers to the manager of the artist and they discuss and then the manager would discuss with the artist Mm -hmm. and the manager will come back to the RA and say, okay, we'll take this one, not this one. We like this offer, but we need to change these things on it. And the RA then goes and talks to the territorial agent, and the territorial agent goes back to the buyer <laughs> or the promoter. So it's this just crazy chain of yeah. how things like that work. So the guy that I was working for was a responsible agent for a bunch of clients, including like Charlie Daniels and stuff who I just adored. Mm -hmm. So working with him was amazing because I really got to learn that side of of the agency world. And one of the things that he did while I was there is he coordinated this concert series that was going to happen at this place called Discovery Park that's in Kentucky. It's this like really big, cool, like science adventure type of place. And they had decided they wanted to put on a summer concert series that local people could come to, like buy tickets and it would all be outdoors. So everything had to be brought in, staging, concessions, sound and lights, Mm -hmm. everything. And they'd never put on a concert before. So they were very heavily relying on us to tell them not only like this is what it's going to cost for you to Mm -hmm. bring in these artists, But here are the other things that you're really going to need. So in that type of a situation, not only were we acting as the booking agents, we were also acting as the promoters. Whoa. So after the first show that we put on, so like I went down with my boss to this, we get the first show off the ground, everything is going great. And then he's no longer with the company after that. He ends up like retiring kind of out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And... I was the only person that had been a part of any of these conversations (laughs) whatsoever. So all of a sudden... And you've been there how long? At this point, a year, maybe? Under a year? Probably, no. uh, A few months? I think it had been a year. Okay. But But I'd never been in a situation like this before. Yeah, that's pretty new. So, yeah, super, super new. So all of a sudden, I am now the representative for the booking agency And I'm the on-site promoter rep. So I am now having to coordinate with all of these artists' teams that we have booked for this concert series. And I am now running the concert series. Oh, man. And have no idea what I'm doing. So you're running. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, my gosh. And even crazier, the guy that had been hired to be the producer... Uh Of this entire concert series, who is handling all of the logistics of like the staging and the sound and lights and things like that, gets fired (laughs) at the same time. That's awesome. That my boss retires. (laughs) So the two people in charge are all of a sudden not there anymore. Oh, wow. And this guy, Billy Gemmel, who I just adore, we became friends through this. Uh He had done like 
some stuff like this. Like he'd done like security at some festivals and done audio and some stuff like that and been like a production assistant. All of a sudden, he who has never produced, this is basically like a multi-week music festival because we had like five acts playing each time. Oh, wow. He's in charge of the production side (laughs) and I'm in charge of the booking and promoting side. And we just banded together and we were like, okay, I have a radio. You have a radio. (laughs) We're going to figure this out. And we did. And it was such an incredible experience through the stress and everything of it all. So like we both traveled to Kentucky the next like four or five weeks of shows to put on all these shows and coordinate and work with everybody. And thankfully, everything went really, really well for the most part. So crazy learning experience. But because of that, being put in situations like that while I was at APA really helped me get a leg up when I eventually got back into the management side. Uh So I ended up um, sticking around at APA for another year. Mm -hmm. I worked with the the president at the time of that Nashville office, Steve Lassiter, who you know as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing human. Amazing human. Just one of the best people I've ever met. He is just awesome. And agreed. uh, (laughs) Agreed. And, um, same thing with Chris Looney, who mm-hmm. basically when my boss retired, he took over being the responsible agent for quite a few of the artists that were there, including Maggie Rose, mm-hmm. who I still work with and we adore to this day. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Laster took Agreed. over most of the other ones like Charlie Daniels and gotcha. Black Hawk and Outlaws and different people like that. So I ended up working directly for Steve Lasseter and coordinating with Chris Looney and the other agents and kind of being this like floating agent slash assisting Steve Lassiter as well. So by the time I actually left APA, I had 24 clients that I was working with. Wow. It was wild. <laughs> I worked all the time. <laughs> um, so, you know, everything is great. I love the people that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Love the company. But... But I'm still not fulfilled. <laughs> but it's not management. Because it's not management. It's mm-hmm. not what I really want to do and because it is different even though you're in the music business very different it's a different beast it is it's very very different um rewarding i'm sure and like you said in multiple other ways for sure for sure but but it was getting to the point where i was going to have to take the next step mm -hmm. and become like a legit agent like start working solely booking clubs or mm-hmm. doing something like going through the agent training program and doing all of that stuff. Yeah. Or I was going to end up being in an assistant position forever. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I'm too ambitious. <laughs> but I also didn't really want to be a booking agent. So yeah. I was at this crossroads again, like I was when I was at Groove Mobile, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how I was going to get my foot in the real door of the yeah. music industry. And... All of a sudden, one day, I get, uh, I think it was like a G-chat message back when people still used Google Chat (laughs) from my best friend Jacoby, who we talked about last episode, Uh who works on Luke Bryan's management team. She's Uh like super smart. She's amazing. She's, I don't know her exact title, but she's something like the director of marketing and like digital media strategy for that company. So uh, she knew that I still wanted to be 
in management. Yeah. And at the time, the the company that she works for, KP Entertainment, their offices, they rented office space in the Starstruck Entertainment Building. Oh, yes, they and, did. I totally forgot about them. Yeah. And so Jacoby hits me up one day and she's like, are you still wanting to get back into management? And I'm at work when she asks me this. Are like, you roommates at the time? We are roommates at the time. Okay. Yes. So Which we've been roommates funny. for a while now at this yeah. point. Because uh, I mean, she could have waited to call it just see you at home. But, well, this, but was, this was an urgent situation. No, but that's what I mean, though. That's that's. Yeah. So she she reaches out and she's like, are you still wanting to get into management? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I am. <laughs> and she was like, OK, I literally just got a message like a DM or whatever from this girl, Dana, who was the assistant at the time to Brandon Blackstock, who was a manager at Starstruck Management Group, which was in the same building that Jacoby's management group mm-hmm. was in. And they, at the time, Starstruck managed Blake Shelton, Kelly Clarkson, Reba McIntyre, mm-hmm. etc. Huge management company. Yeah. And Dana hits her up and is like, I just put in my two weeks notice. She was leaving to go work for Taylor Swift's publicist publicity is what she really wanted to be in mm-hmm. and she said do you know anyone who would be able to handle this job and Jacoby was like I know the perfect person do not tell anybody else about this so I'm the first person that finds out about this job opportunity and they need somebody like mm-hmm. right away yeah so Jacoby's like I need you to send me your resume right away I don't I didn't even have an up-to-date <laughs> resume. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, it was only two years old, but I had to add all my experience yeah. at APA and all that stuff. So I get that over to her right away. Which is a important thing here. Keep your resume uh, up keep it updated, to date, especially yes. if you're looking to move up in the world. Mm-hmm. That is like one little bit of advice that yes. I think we all could. <laughs> 100%. So uh, she gets my resume over to uh, Brandon and to... Cliff, who is the, like, CFO, GM Mm -hmm. of the company. And I end up getting a call for an interview. So I go in, like, two days later to interview with Cliff. And uh, I am super nervous, first of all, because, like, you know, like I had mentioned before, like, country wasn't the space that I had really planned on working in. I liked country music, but it wasn't like the main genre of music that I listened to. Mm-hmm. So even though I obviously knew who Blake Shelton was and that's who I was going to be working for was for his manager. Yeah. Even though I knew who Blake Shelton was, I couldn't name you a song <laughs> by him. Like if I heard his voice and somebody was like, this is Blake Shelton, I'd be like, oh, OK, I know a lot of his music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But off the top <laughs> of my head, I couldn't just like rattle off this list. <laughs> So on my way to the interview, which is there, the Starstruck office was only like eight minutes from the APA (laughs) office. I am like devouring as much Blake Shelton number one songs as I possibly can. So that if they asked me about it, I could be like, oh, yeah, I love Honeybee or like whatever. Austin. Yeah. I didn't even like realize that that was by him at the time. So... I'm going into this pretty blind. I hadn't had a lot of time to like research or do anything. And I go and it was such an interesting interview because, you know, I was expecting them to be asking me questions about like what I'd currently been doing, Mm -hmm. about my experience at TKO artist management and stuff like that. And Cliff was asking me more questions about like, like, do I know how many words I can type a minute? (laughs) 
And I was just like, what? I have no idea. But mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I can type really, really fast because when I was at TKO and I was TK's assistant, I was his computer. Mm-hmm. He didn't use a computer. He used his BlackBerry and that was it. So he would call me. Like, first thing in the morning, I had to be at the office at a particular time, at the desk, and I had full access to his email. Mm-hmm. And he would call and tell me good morning. He'd be like, okay, let's do it. And I would start reading him his emails, and he would dictate to me, as quickly as I am talking now, his response to each email, and I would have to type it out. And then, like, when I first started, he would have me read it back to him to mm-hmm. make sure I got it right. Yeah. But once I'd been there for a couple weeks, it was okay hope you got everything that I said at a million miles a minute because we're moving on. And then when we would hang up, I would go back through, fix any typos and make everything look nice. And I would send his emails as him. It wasn't like I'm replying on behalf of TK. No, I I was TK in that moment, sending those emails to all these people. That's cool. So I knew that I could keep up Mm -hmm. with somebody if that was like what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, But so I felt like the interview was going well. But when Cliff asked me that question towards the end of the interview, it kind of felt I could feel like a shift Mm. in how he viewed me as a potential candidate. So I felt like I'm going to lose this opportunity because I don't know the answer to how many words can I type a minute. Yeah. So he thanks me for interviewing he tells me he's going to let me know if i've made it to the second round of interviews at which point i would meet with brandon who would actually be my boss yeah so i leave and i'm like man what am i gonna do i've got to like convince these people that i am the person for this job because like this is an amazing management company i Mm want to get back into management at the right time like i have to find a way to make this happen so i go back to apa sit down at my desk close my office door and google typing tests Mm. and I pull one up online and I immediately take the typing test and as soon as I find out how many words per minute I can type Mm. I fire off an email to Cliff thanking him for the interview and at the end of my thank you email I was like and by the way I just took a typing test and I can type however many words a minute it was it was pretty impressive at the time and I guess because I did that he decided I deserved a second interview. So I get the second interview. I meet with Brandon. Brandon is super cool guy, like very laid back, super easy going. I mean, we basically just kind of like I love Brandon shot too. the shit for yeah. like I love, I love, 20 Cl- minutes or something. Cliff, Brandon. They're all awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I end up thankfully getting offered the job. Like a day later, and I accept the position. And then when I went to tell Steve Lasseter and my people at APA that I was leaving, it was so hard. I mean, I cried like the whole time, (laughs) which I felt super unprofessional for doing. But it was just it was like, I love you guys. And I this is so hard to leave because I absolutely love being here every day. I just know that I won't be happy here forever because it's not what I want to do. And they totally understood. And Steve was so sweet. He was like, I'm so excited for you and I'm so proud of you. And I know for a fact one day I'm going to see you get manager of the year award. And we're going to know that like we got to be a part of that path with you. And they have been so supportive of me ever since I have left. Well, I was just about to say one of the you obviously left a good not only like working relationship with them, but just a good person relationship with them you know yeah. and, and you're I, going back to your integrity if you would have if you would have jumped ship to go somewhere 
because you thought that that was your best decision like you obviously would have missed out on so many like cool little yeah. details about knowing someone else's job yeah absolutely situational and it, awareness is like this is huge. situational awareness right here at its finest because you did someone else's job for a moment in time and you learned something really cool mm-hmm. and so i i think that that's why steve and looney and all these people that you worked with heath and all these guys mm-hmm. and girls love you for that reason so I, I applaud you for having that integrity well thank you very much i'm i'm so glad that i made that decision and that i stuck it out because it really i wouldn't be where i am now without having been there it made me such a more well-rounded manager and i i learned so much and it made me and still makes me feel very confident when i am having conversations with major booking agents and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and promoters and being able to know what they're talking about or ask questions and you know help follow up on things with them to make sure that like we're getting exactly Mm -hmm. what we need for the clients that we represent you know one thing that i'm going to say that you learned there too is Mm -hmm. contracts like well that i was literally just about to go there okay it but thank you for the segue that's perfect so so now I don't know like how much time we have left in this yeah, episode, but in, in the time that we have left in this episode, I'm now going to try to pack in <laughs> seven plus years <laughs> that I have been at Starstruck Management Group. So I start at Starstruck and love working with Brandon. Mm-hmm. He is awesome. And I meet Blake within my first couple of weeks there. He was in town doing something. And he ended up, like, hanging out in my office all day. And I'm just like, <laughs> how am I going to get any work done? Like, this guy just wants to drink vodka yeah, with me all day. He just wants to, like, hang out, which was we, like, watched YouTube videos and just had a great time together, which was awesome. So it was great because I immediately bonded with my boss, with the main artist that I was helping to represent. Mm-hmm. And, and that really helped me feel comfortable as well. Because at this point in my career, you know, like... This is the most major artist I've worked with as far as like where he was in his career Mm -hmm. and it was still growing and still is to this day. So it was a big step and I really wanted to do well and I wanted to – I also wanted to make sure that I was able to assert myself Mm -hmm. not in a way that would make me seem like – I was trying to like move too fast out of the assistant position or something like that, but so that I could show them like I can do a whole lot more Mm -hmm. than just handle your calendar and book your meetings and and things like that. And that is what ended up happening. And it was kind of like this perfect storm of events where so Brandon and his dad, Narvel, who is the president and owner and head manager of the company, they co-managed at the time. They co-managed Blake and Narvel was also managing Reba and Kelly. Mm-hmm. And so Narvel had his own assistant and I specifically only worked with Brandon on Blake. And Brandon, he mainly spearheaded Blake at the time, obviously because Narvel was so crazy busy with yeah. Kelly and Reba. And so I'm there for a couple of months and all of a sudden 
so Brandon, by the way, is also married to Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. at the time. So it ended up making sense with them being married for Brandon to take over managing mm-hmm. Kelly. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're together all the time. They can talk about work when they're together. It just was a good fit. So, but prior to that, Brandon had never managed a pop artist. Yeah. And I had never worked in pop up at this point other than like my internships at Columbia. Mm -hmm. So he and I, all of a sudden, I've been there for like two, maybe three months. And all of a sudden, not only are we still working on Blake, but now we're working on Kelly. Mm -hmm. And Kelly is in the middle of being out on a big arena tour and stuff like that. And that was really where I kind of got thrown into being able to show like, okay, I understand how to read show contracts and what to look for when it comes to like merchandising rates and how many comp tickets, which are like the free tickets that an artist Mm -hmm. gets that they can give to the guest list for the record label and all that kinds of of stuff. Radio and all. Yeah, all of those things. So I know what to look for and what to help negotiate with to like be the go between to the agent. Mm hmm. If Brandon's not able to talk to the agent, I'm able to properly represent what the artist needs and Mm -hmm. let them know, like, we have to change this. I need more of these tickets, less of these tickets, blah, 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 blah. So we really get thrown into the deep end (laughs) when it comes to that. And there is so much going on with her at the time. So that was wild. And then they eliminate the position of Narvel's assistant, So now Narvel (laughs) is relying on me for helping him also on Reba. So I am literally going all of a sudden from working on one global superstar to three in a matter of months, (laughs) as well as being the only assistant in the entire building for the two managers of all of these clients. So at this point, I'm working, no joke, like 15 to 18 hour days, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. I just, I get up, I go work out, I go to work. As soon as I leave work, I would like pick up a pizza, come home, open a bottle of wine (laughs) and sit upstairs and work until midnight or whatever time, go to sleep, start all over the next day. Yeah. So. But that's one of those stepping stones, you know, like. Though the assistant term gets thrown around a lot as like, oh, they're just an assistant. It's a vital role, especially if you eventually want to move up in the world. Like any any place, you have to start somewhere. Right. And that that wherever that place may be, it will be an unfortunately hard climb out of that little role for a while. Right. So, and that was your climb, though. That was seventeen hour days, the bottle of wine, yeah. the no sleep, the yeah. <laughs> and it was it. It was just, thankfully, I was at a time in my life and an age where I was able to just hustle and grind it out. Yeah. And I loved it. I lived for it. Yeah. It was awesome because I was finally getting to do what I'd been dreaming of doing at a major management company. I was not only working in country, I was also working in pop now. So yeah. I was really getting to learn so much and network so much with all different kinds of people across the industry. And on top of that, Blake obviously is on The Voice. So for the first time now, I am also working with TV. TV. And Blake was also starring in movies. 
Like he did The Ridiculous Six, that Netflix movie with Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. which was one of the first major movie productions Netflix ever put out yeah. as like one of their own movies. So, and Reba's doing voiceovers for like Land Before Time movies, and then Kelly and Blake are doing voiceovers for kids' movies, like mm-hmm. Blake's doing Angry Birds, and then <laughs> Ugly Dolls comes, and so it's just like one thing after another. So, I mean, I am just like treading water, <laughs> barely <laughs> learning all of these things, but really enjoying getting to learn yeah. all of those things. And then my experience having to do that Discovery Park concert series actually really came into play. And it's so funny how looking back on this now, like God obviously had a plan hmm. because if I hadn't gone to APA and ended up having to basically oversee that concert series, I wouldn't have had any idea how to oversee a major arena show that we had to plan for Mm. Kelly because Brandon's learning all of this also at the same time. Yeah. So Kelly, she had done it one year before and it was called the Miracle on Broadway concert. Okay. And it's held at Bridgestone Arena which is like 17,000 seats or something, I believe. Mm, I don't know. Something like that. So Most arenas are from 13 to 17. It's somewhere around yeah. there. So a lot of people. A lot of people. Let's just say a lot of people. So it's this charity event basically where she would ask other artists to come and perform like one or two songs with her band for free. Mm-hmm. So that all of the proceeds, once, like, expenses were paid, because you have to, like, pay the arena and you have to, like, pay the crew and staging and stuff like that. But we even worked with the staging company, the sound and lights companies to try and get, like, some things donated. Like, maybe they can donate the equipment. Obviously, you still have to pay the people that are working. But to be able to donate as much money as possible to these different charities that she would highlight. Um, like children's hospitals and different really Mm -hmm. cool things. That is cool. So pretty late in the game, the decision is made. We're going to do a Miracle on Broadway concert this year in 2015. (laughs) And it's always held around Christmas time. So the songs that they're doing are usually their Christmas covers. Mm. So Kelly's band not only has to learn all these Christmas covers and then rehearsals have to happen with all of these artists like Jason Aldean and like one year she had like Dolly Parton and I think she had like Garth and Trisha and stuff like that. And so it's so all small, small artists. Yeah, small artists. So you're working with some major artists who have very important teams of people around them who know what they're doing. And Brandon and I are just like all right, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> you know, like we are running an arena show we got for this. our artists. So it has to look really good because not only are we representing our artists, but Them we're too. also helping represent all of these other acts that she has invited to be on this bill to perform for people to raise money for these charities. And you want to raise a lot of money for mm-hmm. the charities because it's a good cause. So it was wild. Super intense. We also decided, oh, we're going to do a VIP experience. <laughs> Let's just add one more Why thing not? to the plate. So We have a wine tasting outside next. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was <laughs> wild. So thankfully, having 
the experience from running that concert series mm. at Discovery Park, that really helped me in, I mean, I had to spearhead this whole thing, you know, because Brandon's busy representing Kelly. Yeah. But I have to put together all of the nitty gritty details. So it's at this point where even though my title was still assistant, I was really moving into more day to day manager work mm -hmm. because I'm now facilitating every single detail with the production manager, with the promoter, which was Live Nation, mm -hmm. working with the promoter and the arena, working with the VIP experience company CID, which I'd never had to deal with doing anything VIP experience before, which is a whole nother layer of whole crazy. So it was wild. Merch. Everything. Everything. Coordinating with mm. every artist management team of every artist that's been invited to play the show. So I did all of those things. It's awesome. It was, I mean, it makes me tired just thinking about all of it. It was so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I was worn out. So in the midst of putting all of this on, was that, wait, was it 2015 or 2016? I can't remember. That might have been 2016. Okay. I'll have to go back and look. Either way, regardless. So maybe I've been at Starstruck for a year at this point. But still, absolute madness yeah. doing all of these things. In the midst of all of this, I mean, I am like drowning at this point in work. And even working the hours that I was working, there was no way I was going to be able to keep up. And I was starting to get concerned that like something is going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. And I'm such a perfectionist. I like can't let that happen. But I physically cannot stay awake enough hours in the day mm -hmm. to be able to make all of this happen. So... For the first time ever, I end up getting permission to hire myself an assistant. Yeah. Which was much needed and amazing. And so that was when I ended up actually having interviews for the first time. And I'm like looking for people to potentially hire. And that was just a whole nother crazy experience. <laughs> <laughs> which trying to hire somebody is another full-time job because you have to like yeah put the job description out there and then you have to field all the resumes and decide mm -hmm. who you actually want to interview set up all the interviews do the interviews figure out who you want to interview a second time i mean just all of mm. those things on top of everything else well that's what that makes, was going on well that's what makes a great boss a great boss is because they've they've also been in positions where they've they feel this and so they know that the weight of the world can't go on one person because something will get slipped by mm -hmm. or something will happen. And that's an important, uh, always a very important thing to think about is how can you delegate other tasks to your employees in a, in a very mindful and professional way so then everyone is getting a piece. Some people might actually have to do more, but mm -hmm. that's just, that's the nature of the game though. Right. And as you move up, then you get to get more people underneath you which then help you and part of that hiring process is hard because people just assume oh well all i'm doing is answering emails or opening letters and that's it's like so no that's <laughs> no you're or you're not just getting coffee either you know there it is a very detailed thing and and when i was like at like an se or whatever i used to always try to explain that to the younger guys like hey you know don't try to do everything if you can 
have someone help you, mm-hmm. that's the best way. Right. And so, like, you seeing that is awesome that you're starting. I can just see your brain starting to get even more knowledge. So I, my brain is, like, exploding <laughs> with knowledge at this point. And you, you make a good point. You know, like, I've highlighted a couple of the things that I was having to do. But, like, there are probably 50 more things on a daily basis that I was also having yeah. to be in charge of and deal with. Well, and, and here's one thing that I'm going to say. And a lot of people like are like, man, I want that CEO job or I want that president job because I could do it better. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that the conversations that you're the reason why they have an assistant that goes and gets some lunch is because they're potentially in a meeting that is so hard because they're about to potentially lay people off or they're about to have to whatever high decision they're about to do is going to change multiple people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing. And people continually never put that into the ballgame when they think of I want to do that job right do you have this the thick enough skin to sit in a room and tell someone no right and well, that is hard and that's why you have an assistant to go do get I don't have time to go get a, a sandwich I'm sorry <laughs> right well and I think you know or in addition to that like one of the things that we have to do besides you know managing your boss's calendar and stuff like that is we have these like route sheets and calendars that we have to manage for each artist. Oh, yeah. And if you don't have all of the details, not only on the manager's calendar so that they know what's going on when they talk to the artist, you've also got to have it on the artist's calendar so that they're prepared and they know what's happening. And so it's the detail that is required in being an assistant and in being a day-to-day and in being a manager even is just unbelievable. And I think one of the key things that people don't realize is that you've got to have humility (laughs) to be good at this job. Yeah. Because you have to be not only aware of, but also completely okay with the fact that no job is ever above you, no matter what position you are in. Yeah. The better job you are doing as an assistant or as a day-to-day or as a manager is making somebody else's life run more smoothly, Mm -hmm. which in turn is going to make your life run more smoothly. Oh, yeah, for sure. So there was a lot of that that I was learning and coming to terms with because I obviously really want to be a manager and I want to move forward and I know that I have the drive and the capability of doing some of those things. But I still had so much to learn as far as humility and responsibility and things like that go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my goal one day is to be made a partner at Starstruck and to maybe eventually one day if Narvel ever retires, which I honestly don't know if he ever will. I think I'm going to find him at his desk one day and it's just going to be like, oh my gosh, hello, are you alive? Yeah. Like he works so hard, which is really inspirational for me. 100%. And he's super passionate about what he does, which mm-hmm. is awesome to see. He's been such an awesome mentor well, to I mean, me, just which is ma- what I was really yeah. looking for. I was just about to say, just the stories that he's shared with you at this point. I guess you could say they're in, like, 
they're not like they're the most valuable thing in the world because he's giving you these tidbits into things that have humbled him probably for sure 100 <laughs> percent and you know i see him on a regular basis do things that you would not expect a person of his position and status yeah to do but he's always willing to do whatever he needs to do to make something happen. Yeah. Well, you just said it earlier about ha- him making someone's life easier. Yeah. He, he's making Blake's life easier. Yeah. And is- being grateful to the people who are helping you do mm-hmm. that. 100%. So I, w- I went off on a little tangent there again. <laughs> that's it, the whole point it, it of happens. this. happens. That's the whole point of this. Though. That's a, I think that's the beauty behind these things, like stories like this, is because it's so hard to remember every tiny detail that got you there but when you start to like when you jump forward a little bit then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh well let me tell you this so yeah so So don't feel bad it so i guess to try and jump back into like the timeline of things so i end up hiring an assistant she's amazing she was actually with us for five years she just left recently and moved on and into a marketing company and we're so excited of her and proud of her which is just amazing but thankfully once she started working with us so i've I've made it through hiring someone (laughs) oh now i have the full-time job of training that person (laughs) so that i can pass off responsibilities to them so that i can free myself up for all of the other responsibilities i have Mm -hmm. so I was going through a lot of growing pains my first two to three years that I was there. And on top of everything that's going on with our artists' careers, there are also things going on in their personal lives that Mm -hmm. end up affecting what's going on with us. I mean, Blake at the time when I started working there was married to Miranda. They end up going through a divorce. That's a whole nother aspect that as a management company, you know, you end up involved in. And then in addition to that happening, then my boss, Narvel, who was married to Reba, they end up getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. So all that goes on. And we're still managing Reba at the time for for quite a while after Mm -hmm. that. Eventually, she ends up going to another management company. And so now we're just managing Blake and Kelly but now we've started an artist development program. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we decide, like, well, you know, Blake and Kelly aren't necessarily going to want to do this forever. You know, you have to start to think ahead. Of course. Who's going to be the next big thing? Mm-hmm. Because we need to keep the doors open. We need to keep paying people's salaries and stuff like that. So we start working with artists who are in a lot of times just starting out they don't have a publishing deal they don't have a record label they don't even have a booking agent all they have is us so now we're trying to figure out how to be those things for them how to distribute the music that they're writing and make it available on spotify and (laughs) apple music and all that kind of stuff you know let's add in not only the fact that nowadays it's changing over from CDs and radio yeah. to streaming and Oh my gosh, it was wild. And subscription platforms now. <laughs> yeah, and Narvel and Brandon as the two main managers, they are so busy doing what they need to do for Blake and Kelly mm-hmm. that even though 
they may be some sort of a part of these other artists' careers, mm-hmm. the amount of work it takes to manage basically like a baby act like that is unreal because you're not only managing them, you are representing them in every other way. Yeah. You're figuring out what video directors do I need to work with? We've got to shoot a music video if we're going to put this song out mm-hmm. or they don't have a booking agent. So how are we going to get them shows or mm-hmm. how are we going to get them to a level to where they're going to be appealing enough for mm-hmm. a booking agency to want to bring them on or man, they're really starting to write great songs. We really need to find a representative for them to pitch these songs to other artists if they're not going to keep the songs for themselves. Mm -hmm. So all of these things you are doing as their manager because they don't have those other representatives yet because they're not at the point in their career where they are far enough along to have those other people want to work with them yet. Mm -hmm. Or... And that's... Probably one of the harder parts of the music industry is getting someone to be noticed. Well, think about it. You are working for them for free. Yeah. And not just until they start to make money, because eventually you get these artists to start making some money. But they're not making millions of dollars. They're making a couple hundred dollars to play this show. Hmm? Or, hey, they had a song that actually broke a million streams. They might have made a hundred dollars or something off of that. Forty-four (laughs) cents. And you're not, you know, this is their main job. Yeah. yeah. So you're not going to take that hard-earned money away from them, even though you are working like crazy to make that happen for Mm -hmm. them. So until an artist makes it to a certain point where they are comfortably making enough money to be able to support themselves and Mm -hmm. their significant other, their kids, who knows? You are working for free with the hope. That one day mm-hmm. they break out and make it into that big superstar moment where they're making enough money that now all your hard work gets paid off. Gets paid off. Well, and two, when you make it to that superstar, because only a lot of people only ever see the superstardom. You know, they never mm-hmm. see the hard work up into the superstardom, and that's what you're talking about right now. Is that that in between moment from I'm going to be an artist? Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Up until the point where. Because when you become a superstar, people come looking for you now. Right. You don't have to go look for anyone. Exactly. And that's the difference in a lot of these people. That's when you have the power of saying no. And that is. everybody else saying no exactly. to you. Yeah. And, and there is something to be said about that because that changes your life. That changes a lot of people's lives. That mm-hmm. changes your whole. That's exactly what you're building when you talk about artist development. Yeah. That is the goal is to get people to come to you and you to stop going to them, right? Exactly. And the thing is, is that management companies didn't used to do that. Mm. They weren't, they were not the main proponent of artist development. Record labels used Mm. to do that. That's what like A&R and stuff used to really be all about. The record labels were out there going and finding new artists and spending the money to help them figure out how to write music or what type of artist they wanted to be or getting them to work with different producers to really find that right mm-hmm. sound. There's so much that has to go into creating a song yeah. or a record before anybody else ever actually hears it, before it ever actually gets released. Mm-hmm. Record labels don't do that anymore. Yeah. That When 
Napster and illegal downloading and payola and all of that hit, the amount of money that disappeared from record labels, it hurts the artists trying to make it and trying to get developed the most because there's no money to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. These record labels are just trying to stay afloat to keep the artists that are actually making them money yeah. popular. So record labels don't do that anymore. Booking agencies, you've always got club agents and assistants and stuff going out and going to all these shows all the time, trying to figure out before somebody else figures out (laughs) who's going to be the next big thing. Who am I going to be able to pitch to play shows at these venues and stuff like that? So booking agencies, they're looking for who's going to be able to grow in the live performance side. Mm -hmm. But a booking agent that company isn't spending money on honing the artist's overall skills and helping them to become Mm -hmm. an artist. So now it falls on the management companies, Mm -hmm. which was a new thing. So we've started this artist development program. (laughs) Guess who is the only day-to-day at at Starstruck Management? (laughs) Me. (laughs) So now not only am I still basically doing day-to-day responsibilities for Blake and Kelly and still working every day nonstop with Brandon and Narvel, Alyssa, who was who I had hired to be my assistant, has taken over some of the responsibilities of assistant things for them. Mm-hmm. But now I am really basically managing on a daily basis these artists in development. Yeah. And our artist development program department whatever you want to call it grew really quickly yeah it did we went from like two (laughs) to all of a sudden i mean at one point yeah we had seven and at one point i was doing the day-to-day on at least four of them yeah in addition to continuing to work on blake and kelly and being like the daily point person for all of their things So even though I had Alyssa, I was like, we need somebody else. Like, there's no way that we can continue to do all of this mm-hmm. and do right by each of the artists that we represent and not just the ones that are making us all of the money to keep the doors open and yeah. therefore be able to work with these other but artists. But you still have to put them first because... Because they keep the doors open. the doors open. <laughs> so we went through a lot of growing pains for a long time. And there yeah. were a lot of like baptized by fire mm-hmm. type of moments. But I'm so grateful for those moments because even though it was so hard, I've learned so much. And now it's like second nature to yeah. know like, oh, I need to call this person because we're going to make this happen. This is the type of budget that we're going to need. Mm-hmm. And da 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 you know. Down the Rolodex the is starting to get filled yeah. in a way. And and I know that being through a lot of that, not from the start, but I saw you go through a lot of it. And one of the things that really attracted me to you was your your drive and your motivation. Your You, you were kind of me in a way, mm. but a nicer me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, but, but now I see it because we've had the hard talks. You know, there was times where you were like, oh, this is just killing me and da-da-da-da-da. And yeah. I just, I want this. I want this. Give we me all, the title. Give me the we, pay bump. We like, all want yeah. something, but it is time versus your knowledge in a way in, in many things. And that time, knowledge, 
that's that 10,000 hours, 10 years thing that we always 100%. talk about. 100%. And even when you think that you know enough, certainly not everything, but that you know enough to be able to be doing X, mm-hmm. you still don't know. No. You still don't know. I've been there for seven years now, and I know <laughs> so much more than when I started. I know so much more today mm-hmm. than I knew a month ago. Mm-hmm. I was in a meeting with my boss, Narvel, yesterday, and even though I was basically running the meeting, and he was letting me, mm-hmm. I mean, not letting me, but like, I was running the meeting, he was there yeah. to be a part of the meeting, but I was really spearheading everything, he even blew my mind yesterday with questions and ideas that he had, because he has been in this mm-hmm. business for longer than I have been alive, so it's like... Just because I have all of this ambition and now I have a good amount of knowledge and experience and connections and contacts and all of those things, Mm -hmm. I still have so much to learn and will always have so much to learn, which is why... Humble. Yes. Being humble and being reminded Mm -hmm. of what you know and what you don't know sometimes even if it's a hard pill to swallow, is so important. Mm -hmm. And it's also important, though, at the same time, to be able to be in an environment that does foster your growth. 100%. And isn't threatened by your growth. No. You know, values that. And Mm -hmm. that, for me, you know, there have been opportunities where I could have jumped ship and gone and made more money and had a different title mm-hmm. and things like that. I have not done that because Starstruck for me has become a very special place. It has become a place for me where I found what I was looking for in a mentor. Yeah. In someone who is not afraid to tell me no in the right situation where I need to be told no. Yeah but also is totally comfortable with and is confident enough in me to allow me to really spread my wings and fly. Mm -hmm. And it's because Narvel mentors me in that way that I am so confident in Mm -hmm. what I do and that I'm not afraid to go into these meetings by myself or to really basically manage some of these artists without him being involved at all except at a very top level yeah and know i am doing the right thing even if it's taking longer than we would want to or we hit road bumps or whatever there is no clear path in this industry no for going from unknown artist to global superstar yeah a lot of it is chance especially and timing and especially today with the way that people can utilize social media to find people mm-hmm it is sometimes chance that all of a sudden your artist puts up something on a TikTok one day. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it's viral. Yeah. You just don't know. You don't know. And you could think that you have like mm. the most incredible song and the most incredible moment. And we have literally every single piece made in this pie ready to bake. Mm-hmm. And then when you take it out of the oven... It's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) But there's no reason that it should be terrible. It doesn't make any sense. Why didn't this work? And you Mm -hmm. just have to pick yourself up 
and get right back at it yeah. and move on and do it all over again. And that's what's cool about you having Narvel as a mentor is that NB has been, he's done it, like you said, for 40 plus years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you said, he's been doing it longer than you're alive. And so by him knowing how to make so many different cakes too, mm-hmm. he knows the exact ingredients that can get you close. Mm-hmm. But like you said, each artist is different with different a different beast behind their fan base, behind their their reach, behind whatever it may be. And so all he can do is give you the knowledge and say, well, I've done this with this before. And right. it's it's worked up until the point that I don't know what lands next, you know? Right. And <laughs> it's amazing because he will give me like examples and advice and things like that. But then, but then where he takes it a step farther, he'll ask me, what do you think? Which is awesome. How do you want to approach yeah. this situation? And not just with the clients that I'm day to day on that are part of our like artist development, mm-hmm. but he'll ask me things like that with like Blake. Like, well, what do you think of this situation? Yeah. And being valued like that by your boss and by someone that you look up to is such a game changer. And that's one of the things with when I have had assistants and interns and when I've hired people and stuff like that and even just working with my coworkers, mm-hmm. that's the type of leader that I really strive to be. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is a team player in the sense of like, I know that I don't know everything mm-hmm. and I know that I'm not always the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I don't want to be the smartest person in the room all the time because <laughs> then everything falls onto you. Mm-hmm. You know, the key is to work with the people around you to come up with the best solution mm-hmm. for the people that you represent, because that's our job. Like I said, we have to make sure that everything is coming together to make our artists shine the brightest. Mm-hmm. And you can't let ego no. and stuff like that get in the way of that because yeah. then you've lost mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very true. And when Narvel is doing his job, he's not only just thinking about Blake, he's thinking about those doors, those front doors. Exactly. Um, I mean, the responsibility on his shoulders, like yeah. he has 20 people or something on his payroll but that's that he is responsible for mm-hmm. making sure that they make enough money to feed themselves and their families. He has more than that because not only that, but think about Blake's payroll. Think about, right. I mean, there's a lot to this. And so, you know, uh, Elon Musk was talking about this, you know, uh, he was on Joe Rogan and they were like going back and forth about how busy he was. Mm-hmm. And Joe's like, I just don't understand how you do it all. You're building this, you're building that. And he's like, well, I have a team, you know, and they're amazing. Yeah. And you have to trust like, the people that you hire to I, do their job. Yeah, like, you hired them. Am before. I involved in a lot of steps? Sure. But at a certain point, he's not in there drawing every single schematic for his rockets to go right. to space. Right. Which is in a way the same with NB. You know, he's, yes, he might oversee whatever you're doing, but he has to have that faith and trust in the fact that you're going to show up. I mean, he shows up on days, you know, like the holidays. You have to remind him, like, hey, tomorrow's a holiday. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not going to, I know you're going to be here, but we're not going to be but here. But that's <laughs> because that's that drive in his brain, though, and in his heart to make sure that everyone's take. even though that might not be what got him out of his bed, it's still there deep right. down, you know, and I think that that's, those are those people that are awesome mentors. And I, I, I think it's amazing that you've stayed there, that you've put yourself out there. You know, are you, 
the top manager in Nashville? No. No. But you are working for a top manager in Nashville on on a very, you know, eve, you know, like you're right there with him when decisions are made, which is, to me is the coolest thing is that you're a part of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like title aside, everything aside, that right there, you have made it. Absolutely. You know, there's it's like we said earlier, there's always room to grow. I have so much Mm -hmm. more to learn and so much more to do in my career. And, you know, yeah, the goal is to one day be Narvel. Yeah. But it takes years and years and years and years of experience and practice and learning things the hard way and failing Mm -hmm. and not being afraid to fail. (laughs) And that's definitely something that I've had to learn especially when working with with artists of any level in their career 100 percent. you know you may think as a team this song this is the song <laughs> this is the one that is going to break this artist wide open we've made it we figured everything it out everything <laughs> is going to happen and it really could be a phenomenal song oh, more often than not it's a great song. you've got some incredible piece of music Mm -hmm. but there's thousands of incredible pieces of music out there and it's got to be released at the right time by the right people with the right plan and sometimes it just doesn't happen and that can be a hard pill to swallow when you've poured countless hours and emotions and everything into something like that Mm -hmm. and even though i may not have written the song and i might not be performing the song it's just as devastating for me as it is for the artist Mm -hmm. because i want it as badly as they do Mm -hmm. because i'm responsible for them 100 percent. you know i'm that is a hard thing to shoulder is when Something doesn't happen for an artist. Mm -hmm. And you've done everything in your power to make it happen. And it's not like it's anybody's fault. No. But it just didn't work. And your artist, who has basically become like one of your best friends slash your child, (laughs) basically. (laughs) That's really what it is. Your heart breaks for them because they are heartbroken. Yeah. And that happened with one of the artists I represent who I've become very close with. He went through a terrible time Mm -hmm. last year. And it was a situation that Narvel and I had never been in before. Mm -hmm. Either one of us. We were both like, I don't even know (laughs) what to do in this situation. Like, we had everything ready to go to launch and to really really make an impact and then the bottom just fell out and we had to completely start from scratch and we're still figuring Mm -hmm. all of that out together and it guts your artist and it guts you Mm -hmm. it's hard on everybody but then you as the manager have the responsibility to motivate them to pick up the pieces and start over again because this is your dream. And if you want this dream to happen, mm-hmm. no matter how many times we fall down, we have to get back up and keep climbing. That's a you 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 hit that rate like perfect. You have to. 
If you want to make it, you have to pick yourself up. And sometimes that ends up resulting in a tough conversation as a manager where if the artist is just no, they're not in that mindset anymore. And sometimes it's a conversation of I have we as your managers have done everything that we can possibly think of Mm -hmm. to help you get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's not working. Yeah. We may not be the right people to do this with you. Yeah. And letting them go and letting them work with a different manager or maybe they decide, you know what? I'm I'm done. This isn't for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do whatever else it is that they're passionate about mm-hmm. and throw in the towel because it's not meant mm-hmm. for everybody. You know what's funny about your story is that a lot of times you hear these, like, grand stories of people making it, and a lot of times they never had a plan B, you know? It's like, you did have a plan B, but I think your plan B wasn't really a plan B. It was to make plan A happen, <laughs> I guess. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I think that you were just destined to be in this industry. I think you just... You... I don't know if I have the terms right, but I'm just going to say this. You had you your plan B was your plan A. And I think that you're you're though you thought that music singing was going to be it. I think that you just have a, such a big heart that you took it and now your plan A is really always been to be in music and now you're here. And now you get to make an imprint in a different way. But I think it's more in like a bigger impact than it would be if you were a songwriter in a metal band, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to yeah, say that you no, could, but I think that what you're doing right now is such a bigger deal for people because of exactly what you said, your passion and your love for music really gets to give people that second bit of wind that they may need after a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a lot of times in this business, I think you, you're, met with catastrophe because you put you pour your heart and soul into it and then you get told no yeah and being a manager i don't you know i got nothing but giant props to you all you know nb bb (laughs) all of them all the bees all the bees (laughs) and and starstruck because you know i've seen you go through some really really hard stuff and and it's amazing that you're you are you're continually pick yourself up every day or every time something bad happens and you just go back in and you shrug it off and go. Well, you know, well, thank you, first of all, (laughs) for that. And I I actually just had a thought, you know, kind of like another, another full circle, like realization type of moment. The only thing I ever wanted more than to be in music Mm -hmm. was to be a mom Mm -hmm. and thankfully by the grace of god you have given me that opportunity to to be a mom to our one and soon to be two children and who knows however many more yes of course (laughs) um (laughs) however that is before i met you and we got married eventually and and now are having kids and and raising our own little family, being a manager for me, and this isn't for everybody, Mm -hmm. but for me, 
prior to us having kids and even now, it also gave me the opportunity to be a mom in a way yeah. to these artists. True. Because nurturing them and being responsible for them is a very important part of being their manager and of being involved in helping to make their dreams come true or to get as close as possible <laughs> as you can to whatever those dreams may be. And a lot of times as a parent, you know, we're learning now, that's not always reciprocated. Yeah. You know, like your kids need you. But eventually they get to a point where they don't really need you nearly as much or they may not realize how much yeah. they need. You know, that relationship a, a lot of times is a one way street and it's the same in management. You yeah. know, I I definitely do pour a lot of my heart into my career and into the artists that I work with. And sometimes that's not reciprocated or it's not appreciated as much as you wish that it would be. And that's just one thing that you have to learn as a parent and as a manager is that like, that's not what it's about. No. And that's not why you do it. Nope. And I think that's why I keep going back and doing it yeah. is because the journey of the journey and not the end result. And because I feel a great responsibility to the people that I care for, mm -hmm. so to speak, in both work and personal life to where I love that. no matter what, you have to show up for them. I love it. And so that's why I do it. That's beautiful. And that's why I love to do it. And I think that's why you're continually moving up in this management game. You know, and, and that that journey, like you said, I think it was like Kobe or one of those really greats talked about that you know it's not about getting to the you can climb the ladder what are you gonna do when you get there you still have a place to go yeah <laughs> there's always more rungs to climb always. so it's the journey that's the fun part mm -hmm. even though the journey's hard even though it's tiresome and annoying and all the things it can be but it can also be rewarding amazing yeah loving caring fun all you know you has everything Absolutely. if you treat it that way because you can treat it, you know, you can treat it just for the good, mm -hmm. but you'll miss out on all the bad. Exactly. And the bad makes you really appreciate the good. Well, it gives you that experience, mm -hmm. you know, like you getting thrown into your festivals and everything. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed listening to this. And, I, and I, I don't think that there's more to be said, not because I don't think you have more, because every day you come home and you tell me something cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's the part of it, though, is that this is... You are at a place in your career where you are a manager. You are a day-to-day. -day. You still are an assistant at times. Mm -hmm. You're still – you hold all these things because NB still holds all those things. Right. You know, like when he goes to a show with Blake and he's backstage, he has to play many roles still. For sure. He's not just Blake's manager that's only going to stand there and do absolutely nothing. If Blake asks him to do something, he's going to play – assistant for a quick second exactly and i think that that's the coolest thing to watch you and him interact when i've gotten to go to these shows where i've gotten to be backstage with you guys thank you by the way because some of the my funnest memories are <laughs> <laughs> i've loved having you there. funnest assist funnest memories <laughs> but I, I i think that that's the point though is that your career though you have been in it for a long time 
is just starting. 100%. And, I still have so far to go. And it's so fun to have this conversation because, yeah, when we, we say it, we're like, oh, and when I write these things online, it's like, and she's at the top. You are, but you're not. Yeah. And that's the coolest thing. And and so, you know, I know that you're my manager. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and so I, leaving this as that is now we get to work together in a in a very cool and loving and you tell me things that are I, I don't want to hear sometimes and I get frustrated and I'm mm-hmm. like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But it's because you've been there and it's because you've seen it work with other people or you've seen it not work with other people that makes you so special. Well, thank you. So I, all I can say is, you know, big applause to you in your journey. Though I was attracted to the girl that worked 18 hours a day and just <laughs> left me alone on the road and never worried about texting me because you were just as busy. So yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> I can do whatever I want. And I did, which was the whole other whole side. Other story. Yeah, we'll get there one day. Uh, but I just have to say I'm glad that you've evolved, too, from that girl into knowing your limits, knowing where to turn it on, when to turn it on, when to turn it off. And when and and I think one of the coolest things I think NB has shown you is also how to say no. Yeah. Boundaries are important. They it, they allow you to grow and to function at your possible highest because your career or whatever you're focused on can't be your everything. Mm-hmm. Well and, and what's funny is I think and I know we gotta probably slowly wrap this up, but Saying saying no to big ticket items is probably one of the craziest things you've ever seen done. But the payout on the other side, when that big ticket item goes away and something even bigger pops up, mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, how are we saying no to this? Yeah, or just valuing <laughs> your time. Well, there there it is. Is I think that that's one of the biggest things that you've been when you've been shown, and I think when you come home now, it's you are a manager in that mindset, mm-hmm. which is a you know, again, applauds to you or applause. Thank you. <laughs> Golf clap. <laughs> Golf claps. <laughs> well, anything else you want to say? We got a few more minutes. I don't think so. I I feel. I mean, all- there's obviously like so much more oh. detail and things that happened and oh more to gosh. the story and all of that kind of stuff. But I think we've touched on the major points. Um, and you know, I I think just to anybody listening. If you have any questions, feel free to ask and I will answer them to the best of my ability. But there's no, if you want to work in this business, there's no clear cut path. Being passionate and driven is definitely the most important skill that you're going to need. And outside of that, being humble is the other one. Mm-hmm. Like Gary Vee says, humbled up. Humbled up. Yep. 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the journey. Thanks yeah, for the ride. Thanks for it listening. Was pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Your little nugget is kicking me like crazy in here. That a girl. Mm-hmm. She's going wild. She's hungry. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into these four amazing episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. You know, as time goes forward, we'll bring you more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because like you said, there's just so many funny little stories. But I think getting the big chunk out of it yeah. was, was pretty cool. Yeah. So 100%. thank you, BK, for sharing your wild journey. Thanks, BK. <laughs> 
And uh, we'll see you guys. Don't next forget week. to uh, go and and check out our awesome show sponsors, Ink Vanity, mm-hmm. BetterHelp. If you need some roofing or some renovation in Texas, yeah, hit up our boys. Level up. Yep. And uh, yeah, cheers. Works audio for amazing microphones. Oh my gosh, these things are amazing. I know, I love them. They sound so good. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. If anybody has any good headphone recommendations, hit us up. Yeah, yeah. If not, peace, cheers, and bottoms, bottoms up. up. Bye, everybody. Doing. Mm, 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 mm.